0: putting the building blocks in place. It's more than just sending them a survey when they're done. You know, you need to coach and train your staff to be able to like find those opportunities to get a great review because reviews are so crucial to a practice.
1: Even when you're busy, maybe especially when your practice is busy, you must pay attention to your marketing because pet owners and potential new hires out there will. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, a part of the VetX Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard. And today, the digital marketing guy, Kyle Clement, author of Digital DVM, a comprehensive internet marketing guide for veterinarians, shares the reasons why now is the time, right now, to look at your website, check your marketing campaigns for real results and share a vision of your hospital with your community and all those potential new hires. What do you look like to the world? Because it matters. Okay, Kyle, sell us on. Now is the time to set up a digital marketing plan. Right now we're in December 2021. It's been a crazy busy couple of years and I can hear people saying, Why do I need to focus on advertising? Why do I need to focus on marketing? I have way more clients than I can get in the door. We have too much demand. You know, we feel like sometimes we're turning people away. Why do I need to worry about marketing and
0: advertising right now? No, great question. And thank you so much uh, for having me on. I think that is a a big question right now because, like, the last thing you want to do is invest money into a marketing program and just, you know, throw those dollars away because it's not actively attracting new clients through the door. But I think right now we're in a really unique point where like marketing is not only for new clients. I mean, you need to be marketing your practice to attract and retain top talent when it's staff, associates, you know, veterinarians. So like that's a a piece where like if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're not going to be able to stand out when you're trying to attract and retain that top talent out there because that's what's going to get you to the next point, which is when you need to have new clients coming through the door so that you can keep you know those staff you know those schedules full and so you can keep the you know exam rooms dialed in right
1: well okay let me ask about that the advertising and marketing plans that are kind of aimed to clients are you saying hey there's a whole nother marketing plan you would use to try to attract talent or you're saying if somebody is looking for a veterinary practice to work for and they go out in the world If you're not advertising and marketing and it doesn't look sophisticated and it doesn't look like you're on top of things and it
0: doesn't look like you have a modern approach to these things that you'll look bad. Yeah, I think that's definitely can be the case. So I think, um, one step is that if you're not advertising and they're not, you know, I think individuals want to work for a growing practice. So if you're not out there taking those steps to grow, it could turn off the quality and the right kind of candidate that you want to have, if that's the, you know, if that is your goal, to be a growing practice and to impact more people in your community. I think on the other side is that if you don't have, you know, like your website can't look like everyone else's website if you're trying to attract the top talent. I mean, you need to really celebrate what's different about you, because that's going to help you, you know, attract someone who's going to better align with your like mission, your vision, your core values. So the more that that's stated, and that's part of marketing, right? It's putting your best foot forward. And a lot of that starts with your website. And so if your website has a great foot forward, it's going to allow you to attract better people that are going to more align with your vision. Because at the end of the day that we know, and I think people are starting to see that now is like, hey, my staff is so crucial to the lifestyle and to me impacting my, you know, immediate community, which is the pet owners, and that surrounding community, which I want to work with the that more higher profile, right? The person who's more compliant, the person who gets it, right? That and the person who's willing to, you know, invest in their pets, you know, healthcare and, and pet invest in that, you know, down the road. So I think that's where you know marketing is really important right now. It's like now is the time where you need to be differentiating yourself. Like take some of these great, like you've had a great year, you've had good profits. So like now, what do you reinvest in? To be able to make sure that you're seeing, you know, dividends, because like when you need marketing, sometimes that's too late, you know. Like so, now is when you need to be like building that moat around your practice so that you can really, you know, stand on your own and really make a big impact.
1: So again, if if the practice is full, I, I know there are some veterinary practice owners who kind of judge based on kind of how does it feel or what does the appointment book look like? If the appointment book is full out for days, sometimes weeks, and it feels like people are calling all the time for appointments, we're busy. Whatever we're doing must be working. So let me ask you from your perspective, if you come into a practice that maybe comes to you and says, things are going great right now, but I feel like something might be off. What are the things you look at at a thriving practice? what level of growth do you think should worry people or what things have they not paid attention to that they should pay attention to even if they're busy
0: i think you have to like i say this all the time like if it you know it can't be managed if it can't be measured so you need to really have your numbers dialed in like you need to know how many new clients you're getting per you know full-time equivalent per fte like so you need to be tracking that and so like when times are good you might have you know be getting over 30 over 35 you know new clients per FTE. And that's a great spot to be in. So you need to see like, Hey, what we're doing, and we're talking is... per month, per month. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the clarification there. So, so per month, how many, you know, new clients are we driving through, through the doors? So that's going to be a big one. we'd like to typically see in that 30 to 40 range per, you know, per FTE that you have, you know, on staff. And so, yeah. but at the same time is like, I see so many people that say exactly what you said is like, Hey, we don't need any more new clients, but like yet they only have like 40 reviews on Google My Business. And so like we all know that, you know, that's an area where it takes a lot of marketing. You know, you almost need to diagnose the client to like to leave you a review, right? By the time they walk out of those doors. So like putting the building blocks in place, it's more than just sending them a survey when they're done. You know, you need to coach and train your staff to be able to like find those opportunities to get a great review because reviews are so crucial To a practice, and we know this. I mean, it's a I think most practice owners have a a love-hate relationship with (laughs) reviews, right? But that doesn't mean that it's not important. And I think as you know, if the end goal is to sell one day or the end goal is to like, you know, have your associates buy you out. I mean, the number of reviews is gonna be a metric that people look at. Your reputation is a metric that's gonna be based and is gonna contribute to the value of your practice. And so I think that's something that like I include that in marketing, right? You need to be marketing yourself starts in the exam room and trying to find opportunities to, to get those great reviews because it is so, so difficult because most of the time people are leaving reviews when they have a negative experience. So you really have to solicit the positive and, and you have to kind of manufacture some of that happiness when you have that opportunity.
1: What are the things you have learned in your years looking at digital marketing that makes you think these reviews are that crucial? Because again, you know, an established veterinary practice that is growing or not growing, it may be stable and very profitable, but not growing massively. They've relied on word of mouth and old fashioned advertising or null advertising. I mean, I've seen some practices that seem very busy and they they don't advertise at all. So to those people, sell them on why these, why the Google reviews, why the online reviews are so important for the future.
0: Yeah, and, and that's where we talk about, you know, like if Google My Business, you know, if you look at the end, like your SERP, right? Your search engine result page, okay. you're gonna see how much of that, um, like if you go to Google and you type in "vent near me, you're gonna see how much of that landscape is dominated by Google owned products. So that's gonna be your Google ads. That's going to be your Google map listing, which is going to be that second one down. And then you're going to have your organic results. And, and a lot of times you might have like a Yelp or a, you know, so for them to just find your practice name, they could right. be filtering through countless numbers of competition that are maybe right across the street from you on the, on the corner. So we've seen from doing tests over the years that, that review velocity is something that's so crucial to the growth of a vet practice. And so what that means is that it's not how many reviews you have. So we always say like, rather than getting 100 reviews in one day, which is going to be impossible, but just, you know, like, but the the five reviews a week for an entire year is going to be so much more valuable because it's showing that, hey, you're constantly having people come through the door. You're constantly having people that are using Google's platform, which is Google My Business, and they're submitting user-generated content that's helping that practice rank, you know, because the amount of review velocity, we've seen that as you get more reviews, and of course, The more positive they are, the better. But now Google's even starting to filter out keywords from the reviews. So if you're hearing someone say like, hey, this was a great vet in you know, St. Petersburg, Florida, or this is a great vet in Kansas City, you know, like they're starting to like, and if they talk about the neighborhood they're from, if they talk about the service, like, hey, spay, neuter, or, you know, I went there for surgery, or I went there to get a groom, or I went there for boarding, like those keywords are starting to also get indexed because that's what Google is, right? This huge indexing engine. And so they're actually indexing different keywords within the reviews. And so like, that's why it's difficult to coach someone say like, hey, Leave me a review and mention all these keywords. So it, it, and Google knows that. So, so that's where quantity helps you because like if you can tell them like, hey, please leave a detailed review talking about your experience here. You know, the more you can like – and again, that starts – it's not just going to take one ask to get that, right? It's going to take some additional ask and some coaching and some nudging along, along the way.
1: If you are working with practices to do this, so one thing you mentioned, obviously, I mean, people could get a feel for what an outdated website looks like. They can work, they can work with uh, somebody to help them improve their website. This engine for reviews. It's interesting because it sounds like the SEO you're talking sort of the optimizing of user this you're thinking of it as user generated content. Normally I would think me as the doctor, I have to worry about that in maybe the blogs I write or the copy we put on our website. But so if you go to practices and you say, we want to spin up this online review engine at your hospital, it sounds like not just the ask, but do you actually encourage them to plant seeds about, you know, tell them where you're from and uh, tell them what we did today. How, what does that look like on the ground?
0: Yeah, so it can start with the, with the software and like we're kind of, you know, software neutral and like there's a lot of good ones out there. We're happy to work with what the practice has or we can implement our own. Version of it. I mean, that's not the the key piece to this. It's more about execution, which we know is what gets you from point A to point B, right? And so, like, it is doing that exact thing. It's so, like the the language from the get go is um, very much what's going to contribute to the, how great that review is going to be down the road. And so, like, it is planting seeds early on. It's making sure that you follow up and having like a nurture sequence, which we'll talk about later on too. But like a nurture sequence that actually. Coaches them through the review and then it, it, it gives them a recap of what was done. It highlights some of the things that you gave them, you know, and, and we know that reciprocity is a huge factor that can help you leave reviews. And while we're not allowed to like pay a practice owners, not allowed to like give them $20 to leave a free review. There right. are ways that you can kind of say like, hey, we did this, this and this. We were able to maybe you know, threw in a free nail trim and you're like, you let them, you remind them of the stuff that you did and then say, and then to say like, hey, by the way, we'd also really appreciate it if you mention this in, you know, in the review going forward. So that's like, not that I got a free nail trim to leave a review, right? But it's like, <laughs> like by <quite> mentioning <laughs> right, right, right. like, Hey, these are the great things we did for you. These are the things that you mentioned in the exam room that you're really happy about. And so we, it'd be really great if you let others know in the community, the same kind of service and value that we gave you so that we can help other people like yourself.
1: Okay. That I love that, that phrase nurture sequence. Cause I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Some businesses do it poorly where it seems like they're pushing hard on like, didn't you have a great time? Wasn't this great? Do this. Wasn't this great? Do this. And it feels inauthentic and pushy, but there's a way in which someone who does provide a great experience. So the doctor and the veterinary technician in the room provided a great experience and that they start talking about that then. And then the receptionist has a more, I don't know, that's the question, a more organic way of talking about it. So the client doesn't feel like it's being pushed on them. Cause you know what it feels like to have either fill out a survey or go give a review. Like we get a million of these all the time in that nurture sequence. Is there something in there? Is it the automation of it after the fact? So after they've gone home, a kind of email or text reminder about it, or is it whatever the actual conversations are in the practice that makes that happen and makes it authentic and makes somebody feel like you're not being pushy that they want to go give the review.
0: That's exactly it. So I think, you know, you, you hit it on the head with authenticity, right? So like we kind of like and a lot of our sales and a lot of our marketing and a lot of, you know, just what we're trying to do, it's it's the, you know, capture, nurture, close. And so like you want to capture the, their uh, contact information so that you can then, you know, nurture that. And it doesn't have, it, it has to match your personality and you have to come across as authentic. Like the more the, the vet is like coming from them and coming from like really the bottom of their heart asking yeah. for this, you know, the better that it's going to be received because it's like, and we've seen them, You know, practice owners and practice managers go as far as to like, send out a handwritten note afterwards. And like, you can imagine, I mean, in this digital age, if you get something handwritten asking to leave a review, I mean, that's ways that you can really highlight it. And then, and you, again, the nurture is like, again, have a text message, make sure like it's right there on their phone, it's a very easy link. You know, like sometimes we get caught up in these softwares and we send it, you know, but a lot of times you can just send them right to your Google profile. And if they've already left a review on your Google profile, then go to Facebook, then go to Yelp and some of the more ancillary review sites that still can move the needle, but they might not be the most important platform to help move the needle. Does that make sense?
1: It totally makes sense. And I think the fact that you just talked about sort of Google as being your your primary thing and then these other things, ancillary, if you have time, they're important too, but it's not as important as this primary one. So you have to focus on this. When you go to practices, does it seem like places have... Scattershot approaches, where they're trying to kind of take their hundred percent of their marketing budget and they're dribbling it into ten percent here, ten percent here, ten percent here. Do people feel scattered, and is that a problem?
0: I think it is, and I think every practice is a little different, every market's a little different. Like a a urban, you know, vet is going to have different challenges from a a rural vet, and you know, they're going to have, you know, there's going to be one that might be more word of mouth and one that might be more competitive. If you if you have, you know new people constantly moving into your neighborhood and you're in one of those booming metropolises, then you, right. you have a different message than the person who, you know, you are trying to impact the community because you, it's the, you know, few people, the the tipping point type of individuals that can like one individual can be connected, connect you to a hundred other pet owners that are just like them. And you have a booming business just off those few influential people. And so I like to always I, I like to fish and you know fishing is like a great way like early on you need to cast a really wide net and see what okay. see what works for you but by the end of it you should be like choosing a lure that actually is you know attracted to that fish if you're using you know a huge bait to catch a small fish that that's not gonna you know burst. but if you're getting the right bait for the right fish that's something that you need to like you know attribute to so like for Google reviews for instance like I think it's very important to to like I don't think people work hard enough at those after the first you know, outreach. I think they say, they ask one time, they say, oh, they didn't leave us a review. I don't want to keep bugging them. But of course, but it's so important to you. I think it's like, you need to like bug them. If, if they didn't return, you know, some blood work to you, you'd have to get that blood work to continue on, you know, the treatment plan for the pet. So it's like, you almost say like, hey, to continue as a, a client with us, like we, it's really important that you like, you know, just have your staff and that's part of the culture, right? That you're constantly asking for. And, it, and it's not fun because nobody likes rejection, and so, like, that takes time. <laughs> to, it, it's just the it's the nature of our, you know, we're human beings, and, like, you don't like rejection. I mean, that's a tough thing for us to, you know, tough pill to swallow a lot of times. And so it's so important that you are just making a culture. You're, you're asking more than once. You're doing follow-up, and you're, you're really educating them on the why, right? We've all heard the power of the why. And so, like, why you need that review, not just, like, hey, we need it because we, we want to, you know, just have the the highest review number in our community. It's like, no, we wanna help other people like yourself and we wanna showcase what we're doing because that's how we can make a bigger impact in our community.
2: Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions, a poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar or apply, visit vetxinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two.
1: When a veterinary practice comes to your firm for help, do they usually have either the owner themselves or the manager or someone else there who is an advocate for this kind of focus on marketing or is it oftentimes someone who just doesn't have anybody who's going to look at it i'm wondering uh, there was a big pitch with pet insurance that for pet insurance to work on a larger scale in your hospital it you know it helps to have somebody there who's an advocate exactly as you're talking about who feels strongly who knows the why I don't want this review just because I want to check off the box. I want this review because the more, if you tell someone about the great thing that happened here, which feels good for everybody, then you're, it's like that wonderful, warm feeling is going and dissipating into the internet and making more people happy and they'll come try and everything will be great. But you got to believe the why behind that. How often do you get someone who already gets the why? And how often do you kind of have to talk people into maybe more education of the staff about why these reviews are important and, why these things are so crucial.
0: Yeah, we always like to educate. I think even for the practice that has a thousand, you know, positive reviews, there's always room to get more. But I mean, we're, we're typically you're dealing with that, you know, you've got to set internal goals. And I think if you can get the team to buy into that and you celebrate some of those, those wins and you celebrate, I mean, you only get one reputation. We've heard that, you know, saying before. And so if you really celebrate and put an emphasis on that reputation, and that starts with, you know, the culture, that starts with how you're treating those, you know, around you and those that that walk through the door and, you know, putting a smile on your face when you're on the phone. And, you know, that all resonates. And I think that can all be, you know, heard very well throughout the process. And so I think we are doing a lot of coaching because I think that, like we talked about, review velocity is so important. So like we are always pushing to get additional reviews because I think it is something that is like, it has to be part of the culture and it has to come down to like the team getting excited about doing it too. So like, if it's like, Hey, hit a milestone. If you're at you know, 35 reviews. It's like, Hey, if we get to a hundred, this is what we're going to do a hundred reviews internally, you know, like, and just also knowing like, there's going to be some, some negative ones along like that's That's just the nature of you. You can't control the people on the other right, end. Of the that. risk of
1: asking everyone to leave reviews.
0: Right. That happens. But I think what I always say, like in, in the culture, the review culture that we're in, I think people know that there's, you know, they might see like one or two, like if you have like a consistent list of bad reviews, then that means you have a a culture problem or you have a staff problem that you need to address. That needs to be dealt with first. But once you have those things dealt with, then you need to get a lot of reviews and ask everybody. And like, yeah, you might have one. There's things that are outside of our control. You can't, you know, you're dealing with human beings at the end of the day. And so, so it's just so crucial that you continue to push because like quantity, I know we talk about velocity, but quantity can help cast a bigger picture. And I think that's going to help you identify what, what's working really well and what's not working as well in your practice. And those are things that you need to address and then um, and get better at so that you can provide a better service.
1: With the medicine, oftentimes I feel like there's a very clear, everyone is clear on what the testing tells us. Even in jumbled things, we can tell when a pet gets healthier or when a pet is not, is getting worse or when a pet is stable. And I think shifting that sort of, they so many years focused on helping the pet and we know what the results we're looking for. And then when they turn to this business part of marketing and client relations, it gets a little fuzzier. You know, you talked earlier, like how important it is to test and track these things. And I think that's sometimes where these things can kind of come off the rails. Somebody comes up with a marketing plan, they hire someone, or they buy a big, big package of their own, and they spend a lot of money. And then at the end of the day, they're not totally clear if that meant there were more patients and more clients because of that. So maybe walk me through either a bit of how you test or a bit of how anybody could do a little better job at tracking and testing these things. They're going to spend the time and money on it.
0: Yeah. And and so we can start with like the, you know, like start like analog platform, almost like the real basic, like, you know, rudimentary. I mean, like just having a Google spreadsheet, you know, and like just making sure that, you know, like that just track, like pick your top sources. I mean, it's going to be like pretty similar, right? You're going to have Google you need to ask them if like, was it, if you're running paid ads, was that a paid ad or was that, you know, just a search, you know, like you have your maps, you know, like, and again, it'd be nice to know Google or Apple and you don't, this will like, keep evolving over time, you know, like as people you know, come through, like, you know, they don't need to know all these um, from the get go, but it's like, you have your like drive by, you have your sign, you have your referral, and then you have maybe social media, Yelp, and then, and then Google. And within Google you have paid and organic. And so like, Typically, it's always going to be, you know, sign, word of mouth, and Google are the top three. And so like, but you can start to dial it in from there. And so I think it's just having those first off in your practice management system as drop downs and just really, you know, coaching and encouraging whoever that point of contact is that's dealing with the, the new client to like, just let them know, or, and the existing client, right? Like how important it is for us to track this information. And I think that's like, Hey, we can't get better if we don't have this data. And so like, it is, it's part of your job description to know how they came, came through that door. And and again, you always want to, I say the three P's, right? You want to be polite, positive, and persistent, you know? And so like, you want to ask those questions. You don't want, if they don't want to tell you, of course, there's, you know, you're going to have to read the situation, but like, you really, it's really important that you have that information so that you can you know, know where you need to invest the dollars moving forward, like where you're really strong right. and where you may need additional investment to provide, you know, additional resources and, and a better, you know, return.
1: Is it easy for people on their own? So if they start tracking that, I, I remember uh, years ago when I was in a position where we were sort of starting to track and look at the traffic every day, every week, every month on websites. And we were just trying to build up almost, we were encouraged to build up, get a feeling of what a big month is and a low month is and get a feeling of what a hit on an ad looks versus a meh ad is it people kind of developing their own intuition about that or should they kind of go out and say these are the locked in benchmarks i'm aiming for or is it really feeling it out over time
0: i think it's again it's it is so different for every practice like if you're a multi-location practice versus if you're a single practice but i think having the data helps you make those assessments and i'm a big believer i think every practice across the entire country should have call tracking in place. And I think that's something that's like, that's typically where the majority of your first communication takes place is going to be on the phone, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're going to come through the website, they might submit a form fill, but most of the times they're going to want to call you, or even with some more modern practices, they're going to want to text you, both which can be really, really tracked in very intricate detail through a call tracking number. So I have... Plenty of articles out on the web talking about the importance of this, and then, but you should have call tracking for each of your different areas. So if you have like a sign, you should have call tracking on your sign. If you if you're running a an ad in a local magazine or like a local neighborhood association, you should have a different phone number there. You should have a different phone number on your Google ads. You should have a different phone number on your organic because like then you're taking the data. Like now we have actual data like phone calls, and we're able to run that with what our front desk and our our team is actually capturing when we're asking them. So like the more metrics you have to base your decision off of, the better decision you're going to be able to base. And that's where we say, again, you've got to measure it so that you can manage it. So now we're going to say like, okay, we know that drive-by is really working. So like maybe it's time to invest in that digital sign and get, you know, some some more messaging out there. Or we know that our Google Organic is is great, you know, like we're through the maps and through... Google my business. So now let's try some paid ads. Let's try some retargeting messages to try to increase the value of those clients that are coming through the door
1: for places that don't do that. So we will clearly have links. I'll go yeah. hunt down your yeah. articles about, cause I'm fascinated about this. I have to assume most small practices are not doing call tracking. I think there's the idea that one number to rule them all and nobody's tracking. I mean, what do you think? Or do you think there are a lot out there that are?
0: And I think there's a common, like there's a, f- Fear that, like, oh, if they get this wrong, like, if they have this number that's not my number, you know, like they're going to like save that in their phone. And then, but for most marketing agencies, you own those numbers. Like, you can buy the numbers and you can like transfer those with you as you go. I mean, it, it takes a little bit of work, but it provides a ton of good, like, data that you need. One, just to coach and train your staff. Like, you're not, most of the time, there's a, you know, the front office and the back office. I mean, there's not very often that the you know the practice owner is listening to the phone calls. Like they're they're not like answering the phone. There's a story that the uh, the CEO of Fidelity, the, the big um, you know, trading platform out there, he used to go like one day a year, he would actually go to the call center and like answer calls because he just wanted to hear the kind of questions and the you know the FAQs that were coming through. And that provided him a lot of like data just to see how the like the business was running, how the team was doing, like how so it's like he was able to kind of capture that from the initial starting point so that he could determine like, hey, what's our customer journey and, and how well are we doing our job? So uh, obviously, if Ed Harry is not going to go and, and answer phone calls. But with call <laughs> right. tracking, you're able to go through and listen to calls and you're able to see like, hey, what's our hold time? What's our response? You know, like, I mean, how often have I listened to phone calls and heard the first thing out of their mouth is, hey, can you please hold? Not, I mean, this could be a potential new client that you just paid, you know, 75 to, you to know, $50 to acquire on that phone call. And now you're asking. The first thing out of your mouth is, "Can you hold?" What kind of you know reputation does that set forward? And and again, we talked about people being too busy. And but even if it's an existing client, if it's an emergency, I mean, there's so many different opportunities, and it just gives you like such a good baseline. You know, we joked around that one of our vets used to say that they needed to you know mix up some margaritas before they listened to calls just to you know get <laughs> just to psych himself up because they were you know nervous or you know they're not nervous but just you know like didn't know what what to expect. So. But again, the more data you have, then now it takes that you know really, you know measurable opportunity. Like now we say like, hey, we have some quantifiable metrics here. Now we can start seeing like, hey, our call tracking says this, our practice management software says this, and our analytics, you know, like the actual amount of traffic and site traffic says this. So when you're working all through those things, I think that. Few too many practices invest in this like really elaborate marketing scheme before they invest in the tools to actually track it correctly. And that's kind of providing them a disservice in the long run.
1: Okay. So we will definitely encourage people to go and get, everybody can go get your free book and they should absolutely read it. It'll have a ton of this. And before we walk away from that, that thing you just mentioned. So I want them to go look at all the things that could be in that plan in your book. I want them to look through the checklist of things they could include. Think about all these things oftentimes people go and they're excited by somebody taking over the marketing and they go either spend a bunch of money with a company or a consultant or um, a number of different platforms they buy a suite of platforms or one big platform or they go out and decide to spend a bunch of money on digital ads i mean i will just say you're biased because obviously you make money from people coming to you and getting help with their marketing so you want people to you know you want people to pay for their marketing When you think through what's valuable, do you need the monthly marketing package? Do you need a kind of one-off setup? How do people? How would you? If you were going to advise people, how would you help them sort through whether this is a DIY, whether they need to go buy a bunch of platforms, whether they need to go get advice? How do they sort that money-wise?
0: Yeah, and and so I think that yeah, no, and yes, we are biased, but we're also we want to work with practices that want to grow. So like we we will still help someone build a website but like we also are very you know like our mission statement is to be good stewards of everything our clients entrust us to to help them grow their business you know and specifically online and so that brings us a level of accountability because like we need to make sure that they're investing in the right platforms and that they're ready to invest and so like there's there's different you know you're at startup and so like you need to get you know new clients through the door then you get to a point where you want to scale are we going to like either become a Are we just going to be a one doctor practice forever or do we want to add additional, you know, veterinarians? Do we want to add additional staff and add additional locations? So then you're at that scale and then you hit that significance level where it's like, okay, now I don't need to be um, maybe advertising as much because we've like kind of, you know, we have a a great impact in the community. We found the different sources. So I think early on you need to like figure out, you know, how many new clients do we need to kind of, you know, a direct the lifestyle that we want to attain. So I said, that's typically a good rough number is like that, you know, 30 to 40 new clients. And so like, once you're tracking it, you're going to find out like, hey, are they coming? Like, did we build a beautiful location that's allow you know, and make sure that the marketing partner that you choose is willing to tone back based on what's working and what's not working. Like, if you don't need to do ads, like, yes, early on, I think ads are really, really important. Like it's, we're in a pay to play, you know, Facebook and Google, you know, Google being the, probably the dominant source for most practices across the country. It's a for-profit company, you know, with a 2 <laughs> trillion if not more market cap. And so they make that money because they've, you know, perfected the platform of being able to like get the right kind of people to view the right kind of content. And so it's really important to pay for that early on. So I think first thing first is like get your you know, find a marketing agency that's going to help you set your Google My Business up, get your, you know, set your website up, then start looking at, you know, the the ads. I think far too often people think they can just like invest, you know, like they can do some great social posts and all of a sudden their practice is going to be, you know, at this like profitable level they need to get to, which in reality, I think it's so much more important to focus on Google, the, you know, the 800 pound gorilla where, majority and then track it really diligently because of course there's exceptions to that rule but like early on you know invest in google then start to like find out how what's your like ROAS is what we call it return on ad spend it's so like when you have a company that's helping you calculate that then you're going to know where we can like invest additional dollars and then you know like again a practice typically needs to be spending three to five percent of their targeted revenue on advertising and so that's something like the proper consultant and you know work with your CPA and your ad you know, your the right kind of ad agency is gonna help you find out. And then make sure you can tone it back once you hit that significance level so that you can then, you know, reinvest into some more organic stuff and then start doing some of your social that's gonna increase you know, like the existing value of the clients that have already been to your practice
1: that makes sense cuz i know there's always the temptation to want to just kind of just low key we're going to bootstrap it that that organic is so attractive like man we're smart we're funny we're creative we can come up with all the stuff that'll like the platforms will definitely hook onto but it, as we saw over the you know the, the past years They've slowly turned the dial down on organic and really given that massive emphasis on the paid ad. So no matter how great your content is, it's true. You could have some weird viral thing that explodes, but for how long, and does it hit the right people? Whereas advertising can really target it.
0: Exactly. And that advertising can really like dial people into that, you know, that you can target, I mean, by demographics, by location. I mean, there's so many cool things you can do with a proper, you know, paid advertising campaign and like really target the right kind of kind. So I think that's where, you know, that's something that I feel like is, is really, really important. If you're at that phase like that, you know, startup, that scale, if you're at significance, you obviously don't need to be spending three to 5%. That's where you can tone it back and maybe invest in more organic community partnerships, you know, different things that are going to allow you to just, you know, maintain the profitability that you need to like maintain your financial goals and your, you know, your community goals.
1: Are you now pumped about digital marketing? Get Digital DVM, a comprehensive internet marketing guide for veterinarians on amazon.com or reach directly out to Kyle at thevetmarketingfirm.com. That wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. It was an honor to share it with you. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends in veterinary medicine about us. Want a little more? You are in luck. An extended version of this podcast is available exclusively to our leaders community. You can learn more at vetxinternational.com. And until next time, I just want you to know, I appreciate you.